Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Everybody knows what January 1st is, right? It's New Year's Day. Well, sure, it is that. The day that lots of folks embark on well-meant resolutions to improve their lives in one way or another. Resolutions that, alas, often don't last all that long. But January 1st is also something else. And the effects of Public Domain Day last a whole lot longer than most New Year's resolutions. Like forever. That's right. January 1st of each year is Public Domain Day, the day that a new batch of formerly copyrighted works enter the public domain. This year, works from 1926 enter the public domain, which means that anyone can use those works for any purpose they wish. That, after all, is what the public domain is. Folks can make new electronic or print copies of novels or other works, give them away or sell them, make plays or movies out of books, play recordings of music or show films to their heart's content, include characters or settings from the stories in these old works in new works, and generally build on what has gone before. You know, the way culture works and has worked since the beginning of humankind. So what's the big deal here? And by the way, why did it take 96 years for these works to become part of the public domain that everyone can use freely? Well, that's a very, very long story. Here's the very, very short version. Copyright and patent are the only property rights listed in our Constitution. Article 1, Section 8 states that Congress has the power, quote, to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing, for limited times, to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. End quote. Back when the first Copyright Act was enacted, the, quote, limited time specified by Congress was 14 years, a term which could be renewed once if the author was still alive at the time. Today, for most new works created by an individual, Congress has declared that, quote, limited times, as Dave Barry would say, we are not making this up. Congress says limited times means copyright lasts for the life of the author plus 70 years. So, for example, Nobel Prize winner Bob Dylan's song, Blowing in the Wind, which first appeared in 1963, will enter the public domain 70 years after Bob Dylan heads to the great rock concert in the sky, which would mean, if he left tomorrow, which we all hope he doesn't, a copyright term of, oh, 128 years or so, plus however many more years he lives. How did 14 years turn into 128 or more? Good question. Let's just say the numerous extension of copyright's duration in the 20th century, strangely enough, mostly happened to coincide with the dates that the copyright on Mickey Mouse would have expired. Quite a coincidence, that. For those interested in the history of copyright, we'll put a link to a site that explains the timing in very understandable terms on the page for today's program in the Public Affairs Archive at www.weru.org. But today, let's just celebrate the new works that we're all free to use as we please 
now that they're part of the public domain. Here's a sample of some of those works. Let's start with books. Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises, Dorothy Parker's first collection of poems, Enough Rope, Langston Hughes, The Weary Blues, T.E. Lawrence, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, yep, that Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, Felix Salton's Bambi, A Life in the Woods, Cahil Gibran's Sand and Foam, Agatha Christie, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, in which we meet a fellow named Hercule Poirot, William Faulkner's very first novel, Soldier's Pay, My Mortal Enemy by Willa Cather, D.H. Lawrence, The Plume Surfeit, H.L. Mencken, Notes on Democracy. Every one of those works is still worth a read today, and now anyone can read any of them and use the stories however they wish. Just a quick side note here. We're betting that it won't be long before free, downloadable copies of these works will be available at Gutenberg.org, the website of Project Gutenberg, where volunteers have uploaded over 60,000 books that have entered the public domain so that anyone can download those books in a variety of formats. And if you prefer listening to audiobook versions, give LibriVox.org a look. There are thousands of public domain books there, read by volunteers that can travel with us on our phones or whatever, wherever we go. Be sure to spell that URL, L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X dot org. Perhaps not surprisingly, Amazon, now owner of Audible, a commercial audiobook service, has set up a website with the URL LIBRAVOX.org. Kind of curious, since the ORG domain is generally used for non commercial entities, which Amazon certainly is not. But that's a topic for another day. Meanwhile, books are not the only materials that became available on this year's Public Domain Day. How about music from greats like Mamie Smith and her jazz hounds? Ethel Waters, Sophie Tucker, and, if you're more of a classical music lover, how about listening to Enrico Caruso in his opera roles, or Pablo Casals? If you like show tunes, there are pieces by Al Jolson and Fanny Bryce. And then there are films, including performances by some of the greats of film history, including Harold Lloyd in For Heaven's Sake, Buster Keaton, Battling Butler, the Son of the Sheik with Rudolph Valentino, The Temptress with Greta Garbo, and quite a few others. Sounds like a sort of gold mine for early cinema buffs, and it is. But perhaps the most famous work, or at least the warmest and cuddliest entering the public domain this year, is the very first Winnie the Pooh book by A.A. A. Milne, illustrated by E.H. Shepard. This one requires a bit of caution because there were quite a few Winnie the Pooh books published, and only this first one is now in the public domain. The copyright on the other Pooh books and on some derivative works is held by Disney. How Disney wound up with those copyrights is itself fodder for a mystery novel involving dumpster-diving private eyes and all sorts of lawsuits. The short version is that Pooh is now a big moneymaker for Disney, 
in the print, in the digital, and in the merchandising worlds. So if you want to use anything about Pooh, make sure it's only material that appeared in that first book that you use. Tigger, by the way, did not. Just thought we'd mention it. So even as those New Year's resolutions fall by the wayside, we can console ourselves by realizing that despite the best efforts of lobbyist and cooperative Congress critters, some of our cultural heritage does become available for us to build upon each year on Public Domain Day. It's definitely something to celebrate, and we'll continue to do that, along with looking at topics that might not occasion quite as much celebration, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.